And hello, it's the Stardust Podcast, back from our completely scheduled summer break. It's true, absolutely well planned. Exactly, just in time for the kids going back to school. That also means it's time for the bigger kids to go back to random podcasts about those aspects of pop culture that no one talks enough about. Yes, so uh, we're just uh, back from uh, not just uh, the absolutely planned uh, scheduled vacation, but also yes. uh, a trip down to uh, Birmingham for Auto Assembly. Indeed. What is Autobot Assembly? What is the Assembly of the Autobots all about? Uh, Auto Assembly is Europe's largest Transformers convention. Uh, I will put the hand up, which you can't see just now because it's audio medium, but I have a vessel interest being involved on the committee doing uh, a lot of running about like a blue earth flea and producing the printed matter for the convention. Uh, I also have a hand in an endeavour that Ralph is also involved in. Yes. Called Toy Food. It's true, where we help the helpless. It's true. Which doesn't sound like what we would do, does it really? No, 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 no not at all. No, every year, uh, for which this was year five, we run the Toy Food stall, which you can usually find us behind the EV desk, um, where we raise money for a charity called Ladies Meals, which helps kids in developing countries get fed so they can be properly educated and thus help themselves out of poverty rather than just do things to them. Now, we should point out uh, that this endeavour was started and the brainchild behind it was, of course, uh, young Nick Davidson. It's true, a friend of the podcast. Yes, and former Stuntmouth. Yes, almost as much of a friend as Nick Roche. And mm-hmm. hello to Nick Roche. Hello, Nick, being one of the, well, all of the guests at Alt Assembly, which I did not have a chance to say hello to at all, because I was busy on the stall over the weekend. And you knackered your foot. And I'd also knackered my <laughs> foot. Yes, uh, you may have heard about a phenom- phenomenon known as Concrud uh, in internet land. Let's explain what Concrud is. Concrud is a, is a strange health affliction which generally strikes people down if they've been to a, a convention over the weekend. The convention can be about uh, robots, quilts, quilts, even, uh, quilts yeah. um, uh, comics, anything at all. But generally, because you're usually in halls full of several hundred people, some of which don't obey rules of hygiene, well, I, what I would say is not, yeah, not necessarily also, it's just also, lots of people in the room, it's cold and... Yes, but also, also, some smelly people. Yes. Uh, you mix them all in together and uh, it's easy to catch things. Yeah. I, however, decided to use my powers as a time lord to get Concord on the way down. Uh, I managed to knack my foot while sitting on the train. It's true. I actually cut open the sole of my left foot when I put most of my weight down. Meaning that for most of the weekend, people kept asking me, A, where I was hiding, or B, why I looked so grumpy, because I was in constant pain. Uh, I also also had uh, toothache at the same time, and earache. And also uh, got a 6am wake-up call. Yes, and also on a Sunday, the hotel I was staying in decided to phone me at 6.02am to wake me up. Uh, so I, I was ill all weekend. In addition to being in, So a combination of that and being busy in the stall meant that I didn't get a chance to speak to many people. Who, some of whom listen to this podcast, or did see any of the guests. However, it was for a good cause, uh, because through the pain, we raised uh, about two and a half grand, roughly, uh, for Mary's Meals, so that's always good. And we'll be back uh, next year. Yes. It's my one bit of altruism during the year. Does it kind of, likewise, does it kind of make up for what we do? We can't really judge that, but... No, but also, I've actually found it uh, very beneficial to myself, because... This is a worthwhile topic. This is topic number one. That's right, this is topic number one. I just thought about it on the spot. This is this is spontaneous radio. Um, we've kind of touched on the subject before, which is ageing. And how ageing specifically affects people like us, 
and possibly people like you, which is different from the general populace. Right? Now, normal people, they, they get paid, or if they're unable to work due to sickness or unemployment, uh, receive benefits, which they should, by the way. Fuck you, government. Sorry, uh, political point. But anyway, they, you, have your, you have your source of income, and you spend it on your, your rent and your mortgage, uh, family, <laughs> partners, uh, food, all these kind of normal things. And then you, you have a manageable amount of clutter around you. You know, you might buy a DVD every now and then or whatever. Every people like us, you have the collecting bug. It comes and it goes. But generally, you know, you tend to find that over time, even if you're only buying them occasionally, you start to be buried like uh, a pharaoh under piles of toys and stuff. Except without being embalmed and dying and going to the afterlife with cats. Putting your organs hiked out your nose and putting coptic jars. Although you do get that feeling sometimes when you buy a particularly bad Transformers toy and you go, for fuck's sake, I've just spent 20 quid on this. But anyway, um, I at one point owned over a thousand Transformers. <laughs> Which, to be, the thing is, in terms of Transformers, that's not actually a lot. No. Not when, not when you happen to be friends with Nick Davidson no, or Philip Hello, silent member. But when you live in a one bedroom flat, as I have generally done, uh, it takes up a lot of space. Um, so generally, um, what I now do once a year is I cut the collection down by giving big chunks of it to Toy Fu. It benefits everyone. It means that I get some more space again, uh, with which I would fill up with more crap during yes. the year. And so on. Uh, another useful way of getting rid of the crap is uh, books and DVDs and not so much comics now because I've got rid of most of them and went digital, again, for space reasons. They just get Oxfammed. So it's good. So basically I get to justify uh, my collecting bug because I, I, I use it to help people and I know. In all fairness, I'm not the person you're rehearsing the speech for. Isn't that the speech you're about to give the other half so you can justify no. getting Metroplex? No, that's what <laughs> That's what i a similar topic which ties into the whole assembly and, and the collection of items. Now, if you're a, a Transformers enthusiast, <laughs> you might be aware that uh, coming soon to Toys R Us, if you're in the UK, or um, more general retail if you're in the US or Australia, or the like, is... Uh, other countries uh, are available. Other countries are available, I believe, yes. Uh, hello, hello. Um, yes, so there, there's a Transformers toy coming out, uh, Generations Titan Class Metroplex. It's a remake of a toy from the 80s. It's a remake of a toy that's very close to my heart because of my childhood Transformers, the only one that survived to this day, missing all of, all of its bits except for one gun and a fist. It's Metroplex. So it's, it's very dear to me. And that's the reason why. So I'm affectionate there. And there's a two foot tall version coming out, which is actually bigger than... Fortress Maximus. Yeah, it's bigger than Fortress Maximus. Now, now previously I, I couldn't have justified this because I didn't have the space. I had all this crap. But I've cleared out... Lots of stuff this year for toy food for the Oxfam. I, I actually can now see my dining room table. It's true. I actually can dine at it now. It's true. Upsets me slightly, but there yeah. you go. Um, it was better when I had Daleks on it. Exterminate your food. So, yes. Uh, and also, uh, the UK retail Toys R Us, at least initially, appears to be £125. That's what it says on the Toys R Us website. Now, we know that the price will go down because there'll be promotions. Oh, and I forgot I get a bonus this month. We'll get I was, was going to buy a printer. We're, we're <laughs> to work as was. We're going to get on well, to your budgetary problem in just a moment. Balls. <laughs> Indeed. Balls will be squeezed. So, yes. 
So, so basically, the cost of this is 125 pounds. That's a lot of money, Andy, isn't it? It is. It's a lot of money to spend on any, any one toy, even if it is two foot tall. Even if it is, as I find all assembly, so large, my entire fist goes in the chest compartment. But I was it, Ralph has a little girly hands. It's the first time I've ever been able to fist a Transformers toy. I, I mean, well, just really hugged him. It's true, I hugged him as well. So I, I've tried to justify this to the other half. Quite reasonably, because I say, well, look, my dear. That's what I say, my dear. I say, I've, I've cleared space, so there's now somewhere to put it. You can, this can be verified. It's true, I, I can. <laughs> to all you people listening here, I'm just going to nod my head and say yes, because I can see space. Indeed. Where no space existed before. It's true, there was not. Uh, secondly, when I was uh, uh, the Hardy Hardcore Transformers Collectors fan, probably between the years of 2001 till about 2006 were my main collecting years, when I was probably spending about, about 100 to 200 quid most months on Transformers toys, books, comics, various collectibles. And that's how I ended up with such a, a large collection, which I've had to cut down to rent about, I think I've got about 100 now, um, compared to 1,000. Anyway, so I've cut about that. So, also, uh, because my main focus has been cutting collections down and, and so on, I actually haven't bought a Transformer in two years. Now, I actually wanted to buy a Transformer this year. I wanted to buy the Generations Legends toys with the little Target Master dudes. Having had a shot of them, thinking it'll take up a lot of space, I'll, that, that's what will get me buying Transformers again. But Toys R Us, which hasn't exclusive, doesn't bloody sell them. Anyway, that's not the point. Back to the book. I haven't bought a Transformer in two years. So I, of course, easily trying to justify. I said, look, look, look. look this is a one-off payment, um, equivalent to what I used to spend every month, and a bit of space. I'm perfectly allowed to have this, and I think you would agree. Yep. Thank you. But it's your problem is, you apparently have some kind of bonus payment. Yeah. Were you not going to buy a printer? Yes. Dear. Then you see the dilemma. This is how our house is filled up with shit. Yep. Uh, although it was very good, this, this was actually the first convention I've ever been to, I didn't buy a toy. I still get back to a toy, because uh, Nick gave me one. And the toy as well. No, <laughs> oh, right. he gave me a, a year of the snake Optimus Prime, which he's been out of his box and had a look. I've not had a chance to transform it, but I didn't actually buy a toy. I bought two T-shirts. I didn't have the money for toys. That's another thing that happens when you age. Is you as a collector, it's like, hey, I'm in my twenties. Fuck it, when I live till I'm fifty, toys, toys. And then you, and then you get to like your mid thirties and you go, I'd quite like a a new jumper or uh, possibly a. A date to the zoo, <laughs> or uh, I might save up for I don't know a, a nice meal at a restaurant. Such alien thoughts, which wouldn't have occurred to me in my twenties when it's like, ah, fucking you up to this brain toy, hundred pounds, ah, toys. You coming out, Ralph? No, I can't. Yes, it's bizarre how your priorities seem to change. I didn't buy a huge amount just purely because I didn't really have the time and again budget as well for other things. So. The Machine Wars stuff from Nick. Uh, that's, I think that's about it. Uh, no, I'll tell you, the Machine Wars crayons from Botcon from uh, Mr. Cameron. I believe you also purchased some uh, some goods from Typhoon. That's what I'm saying, the Machine Wars yeah. stuff. The uh, uh, Sandstorm. Yeah, Starscream and Optimus Prime. Oh, yes. The which second time I've owned Optimus Yeah, which again, there's something to another topic, which is that uh, obviously, you know, you find you have to clear things out. And actually, to be honest, most of my Transformers, I would say of about the 900 odd that I've went, ideally I'd like to have kept about three quarters of them. Because they were, <laughs> no, because, because there were toys that I genuinely enjoyed or had bought and not had a chance to open because I really wanted them. Uh, but just, just space. Yeah. You, you just can't keep them all. But this also has a phenomenon that every now and then 
you clear some space, and then you go, I'm buying that shit back. Yes. <laughs> and then you find yourself sometimes spending far more than what you spent before to reacquire a toy. It's, it's, a, it's a, a Mobius strip of collecting because Machine Wars Optimus Prime. You had that? Your one is uh, MIS, technically MIS B because the series hasn't been attached. It's actually, is the, the tape has not been cut. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a misbox. <laughs> uh, I have owned that toy before. Indeed. And again, I believe it went the way of toy, an earlier toy food. It does. I don't look. Yep. And I had a thunderclash at, at one point. Yeah. Also extends to uh, other things, you know, like uh, I decided recently to complete Doctor Who on DVD. And in fact, to complete all Doctor Who, I mean, I acquired all the DVD, the DVD gaps I don't have, and uh, the missing episodes audios that I've had in CD, which I've lost, but are available quite cheaply on download from one year ago. We acquired that, which is why I bought the White Planet again. Yeah. A fantastic way hot enough serial from 1965, featuring his fight against the Ant people, which Andy's going to get to watch later. He loves it. Yay. Anyway, to bring us back to topic, uh, gifts. Yes. What gift were we given? Uh, we were given many, actually given many gifts, but one in particular was a friend of the podcast, Mr. Paul Logan Blaze Anderson, uh, turned up with a box of uh, fanzines and the like from TMUK and some other stuff. Uh, for basically folk to take away, I managed to snag out of it some fanzines of stuff I'd done work on that I don't, I can't find my copies of, mm-hmm. and uh, a Combat Colin one, which was a result. Yeah. But he made he took great pains in handing me uh, a book. What is that book, Andy? The book is from uh, Pan Books. It's written by uh, John Berman with Bill Stair, mm-hmm. and it is of course Dodos. Yes, the novelisation. Of the, of the film. Perhaps you could read the blurb on the back. I can. Zardos! Though the lowering, through the lowering clouds came the face of Zardos! The god who gave Zed and exterminators the right to mate, the means to kill. What else in life was meaningful? Then Zed entered the godhead seeking its mysteries, entering the world of the vortex where death was banished forever, stirring the long forgotten sexual desires of, desires of the Eternals, dividing them, reversing time itself to find the true secret of the tabernacle. Zed, an unlikely champion against eternal evil. Now, we have mentioned Zardos, the fantastic uh, motion picture, uh, before. Uh, just to recap, uh, Zardos is the one with Sean Connery in a nappy running around the hillside while a giant stone god comes down from the sky and dispenses guns. And dispenses guns from his mouth. From his mouth. And there's a sort of decadent society that uh, Sean Connery as a sort of primitive, more primitive type chap, uh, infiltrates and ultimately destroys. That makes it sound more normal than it actually is. True. Yes. So, um, because we're talking about folk, we'll get into too much, but what we'll do is we'll read to you the prologue and the first two pages of this exciting uh, novel. It's the first of an ongoing series of exciting dramatic readings. Yes. So, uh, if you could do the prologue, Andy. Again, uh, we seal ourselves here with into this place of learning. Death is banished forever. I direct that the tabernacle erase from us all memories of its construction, so we may never destroy it if we should ever crave for death. Here man and the sum of his knowledge will never die, but go forward to perfection. The old man finished speaking. There was no applause from the assembled audience. They quietly dispersed and went about their allotted duties. Eternal life had begun. Chapter 1. speaks. Nothing was easy. Life came hard and short. The young boy Zed took shelter at the side of his father from the merciless wind. They were fortunate. They were the blessed ones. They waited at the mountain top. 
Others were gathering on horseback. <laughs> all movement to the all moved to the appointed place where heads turned to the point on the horizon from whence Lourdes! would come. Zed's sharp eyes swept the bare landscape. Acres of hooked thorn shrubs jostled in the unceasing wind, their dry leaves whispering across the tundra. Low tussocks of grey grass gave way to deformed woods and midget oaks that rose from pools of brackish oily water, and all the plants were dead. First there was a low note, then one of the watchers pointed to the heavens, a shout rose up. Lourdes! comes. Through the lowering, through the lowering pl- clouds came their god. This was to be the first time that Zed would see him. Even he, a warrior's son, shook with fear and fell to his knees when he saw God. A gigantic stone head slowly descended towards them, vast and menacing, its huge face carved into frightening grimace, its eyes glowing, its face glittered with rain. How could a head live without a body? What kind of creature could have borne this monster? Perhaps the body was invisible and all around them. Zed stood firm. The warriors raged a huge salute as the head came to rest before them on the hilltop. Zed was privileged. His father had the right to slay and breed, and these would be his rights too. He could take women in the name of Zardos! He could kill in that name. He would be one with Zardos! He would be a man. Zardos! Speaks to you, his chosen ones. The earth trembled with the voice. The warriors replied, We are the chosen ones. Their eyes averted. Zed dared to raise his head and look into the black mouth of Zardos! Into the dazzling molten eyes. You have been raised up from brutality to kill the brutals who multiply in their legion. To this end, Zardos! your god gave you the gift of the gun. High above the head appeared a hand, then in the hand a gun. So real was the dream that Zed reached out to touch it. With a giant thumb pulled back the hammer. The forefinger squeezed the trigger and the gun fired. The report exceeded even the noise of Zardos! voice, the gun. Part of the familiar litany to all the congregation except Zed. Tim, the miracle of the firing vision was only exceeded by the next image. The gun is good! Boomed. Zardos! The gun is good! Repeated the warriors. The penis is evil! The penis shoots seeds and makes new life to poison the earth with a plague of men as once it was. But the gun shoots death and purifies the earth of the filth of buttles. Go forth and kill! Zardos has spoken! Before Zed's startled gaze, the god vomited up thousands of weapons. Guns, swords, bullets, rifles, all spewing out of his mouth onto the hillside. The exterminators, the killers of the brutals, surged forward, forgetting their fear of their huge god. They fought for the weapons and gave thanks to Zardos for his bounty. Zed had run forward too, had claimed his first weapon, a revolver, and was now a man, a warrior, a priest of Zardos! And we will return to Zardos in the future installment. Indeed. So that pretty much uh, gives you a picture for the... It's quite faithful to the film, actually. Yes. Actually makes slightly more sense there, because generally... Uh, the film just opens with Sean Connery rocking about, and then all of a sudden... head appears. And yeah. spits guns out. Pretty much, yeah. And it's then he sneaks into the head. If he does sneak into the head, and then he, uh, he travels within the head into the realm of the Eternals. But yes, so thank you very much, Bob. We, we, we love uh, Crazy John Berman. That's true. Uh, uh, sadly, uh, the Zardos novel is long out of print. Yes. So, uh, yes. Mm. 1974. 1974. Amazing. This, this is why we love books. Yes. So, talking of, uh, of, uh, of books yes. and reading yes. and, uh, and segueing. Yes. I'm segueing. I know. I'm s- You've got printed things. I'm I'm saying saying. I do. <laughs> I do indeed. Go for the one you've got in your hands. I intend to. Because I've got to go back to 
Uh, as we're off the heels of, of Auto Assembly, a convention for Transformers enthusiasts, we yes. went to uh, the Edinburgh Comic Mart earlier this year. In April, the 24th. Where uh, two of the guests of Auto Assembly happened to be in attendance. Miss, Mr. Simon Furman. Uh, the Furminator himself. That's true. And Mr. John Paul Bovee. Yes. And in, ad- in addition, we, we went round to, to buy comics and I, I picked up the, the find of the convention. That's very true. You did indeed find the, the find of the convention. Of the convention. Yes. With uh, the TV comic holiday spe- special, which is, of course... Battle of the Planets. Not Science Ninja Team Gatchaman. Which is shite. Oh, ah, no, I'm going to put it out here now. Right, I know, because people are going to be spitting into their MP3 players. Uh, or iPod-y fucking futuristic iPad fucking smartphone shite things. They really need them, it's an MP3. Anyway, the thing is, the the, the Ninja Gatchaman people, they're pish. Because what makes it good is Seven's Arc 7 who is a little robot dude and set on Neptune who monitors the entire universe in the version that is Battle of the Planets because as we all know for, for the West they took the shitty cartoon and they, they made it good by giving it a comedy dub of, of great joy and uh, putting in new footage of Seven Zark Seven that's what makes it gold I, 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 I used to own the DVDs unfortunately the DVDs had to be Oxfammed for the reasons I've described earlier which I do actually regret a bit but I just didn't have space took up a lot of space um, and it was great, and the highlight every time was always uh, Seven Zark Seven. That's why with Alex fucking Ross, um, I swear it worked so big that it wouldn't be recorded in the audio region, it was just a little rumble in my throat. But brought back Battle of the Planets for some comic publisher in the last decade, and it was a boiling puss, because it was all fucking mature and modern, and there was no Seven Zark fucking Seven in it. Or one over one. There's the robot chomp chomp. Uh, yes. I will I will agree with you on the Alex Ross point because it was trying to be both Science and Ninja Team Gatchman and Battle the Planets and falling between two stalls and ultimately satisfying nobody. However the art was fantastic. Uh, Wilson Tortosa believed that the art captured the animation models. And those characters were obviously were designed by uh, Yoshitako Amano who did uh, Sandman the Dream Hunters. A Vampire Hunter D, and several of the covers of the Eternal Champion books for Michael Murcock. Very nice little artist. It's good. But no, I, I like Gatcha Man, however, I will agree that Battle of the Planets is far superior. It's far superior because. Because, well, I think the honest answer to that is we saw it first and we saw it when we were kids. Well, I, I think. I, 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 but no, I never saw Battle of the Planets I, I did I wasn't aware Battle of the Planets existed. I had no idea Battle of the Planets existed at all until the mid 2000s. When um, the first DVD came out, which you bought, and I went around to watch a few episodes, I've never heard of it, never had a Gatchaman. So I came to it as an adult, and then I subsequently went and watched some Gatchaman, and I went, this is dull and fucking lifeless. I probably like the way that uh, I adore the Transformers Headmaster's dub over the original Japanese, which is not a very good cartoon. No. You give it a comedy dub, but it's great. This, however, was a dub. As much as I love this dub of Headmaster's, this is actually a... I will produce them. Yes. So this is from TV Comic, which was in 1984. 65 pence, kids. Yes, it's full colour cover and a couple of random colour pages throughout, but mostly black and white, which is what most comics should be, children. Mm-hmm. Printed on, well, not great paper stock, but it survived quite well. For yes, it has actually, yes. Yeah, so. There's not a lot of yellowing. Uh, I think this cost me about £14 and it was well worth it. <laughs> it is as rare as walking her shit. I had never I seen it 
before I had I had actually have heard of it. I was said ever so back in the day, not being aware of what the plants was. Subsequently, I become aware of the comic when I was looking into it when I was watching the DVDs, and it doesn't. It seems to be one of those specials that um, either everyone that got it chucked it in the bin, uh, or I didn't have a big print one because uh, finding it intact is very rare. Yeah, and so it's it's the form of a old school summer specials, lots of little short stories. It does, of course, because it is Battle of the Planets, it is done by uh, what looks like a, a British team anyway. Uh, although what I will say is it could potentially be its artwork. I don't recognise the artist. No, so maybe, because uh, I know there was a comics done, I think, in Italy and South America. Uh, it could be Spanish as well. Yes, because it has sort of more rounded rectangle dialogue balloons, which is not as common in the UK no. for most of the work. Uh, but it's... There's not really a lot to go over in terms of the stories because Seven Zark Seven, did he as the Yes, there. it has Seven Zark Seven, it has Chief Anderson, and it does also have One Over One in it. You see your favourite? Yes, One Over One's amazing. That because he's a dog. Man, he has a little cape. He sometimes he flies about. Yeah, that bird in the has tail. Has you can get the Battle of the Planet soundtrack album on yes. the Amazon MP3 and Play. Yes, I, I, I still have my copy. Yeah, and quite possibly iTunes. Yep. Other other ways are available uh, soon. Yeah, don't 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 pile that one because it is actually available to buy. Yes, for not a lot. There's no excuse to pile that. But and it also has oh, uh, a game in the middle. Now you see, this is this, see this is what special should have. To explain, when there used to be specials, you'd always get a couple of puzzle pages and or a game. Now this was acceptable. It was actually something you look forward to. I felt. And uh, uh, not so I much. I, I don't think it's something you looked forward. I, I'm I not saying it wasn't there. That's what more. Yes. I mean, it's something you expected to see there. I was always more about the comics stories and what, what you would get. But well, I was. I would just, also just feel two or three of them. Yeah, I would also yeah. feel if you had too many puzzle pages, you knew it wasn't a good special. The general rule I feel was up to three pages, which could include a game. But three pages was was kind of the optimal. Yeah. Yeah. I was. That's why I was annoying. Um, the Transformers Collected comics, which were fantastic, but you only had, uh, you didn't have puzzle pages past two, did you? Mm. When I went into normal magazine format, I don't recall them having any puzzle pages. Remember the one and two had to be paid up the back? That was like a yeah. Well, page. that was just from them, because no, because I think they used all of, the, all of the ones that they could in the yeah. first annual, because first annual uh, had a lot of them in. That's true. Nostalgia. Yep, there yeah. always. I'm just directing off. I'll probably attach some scans and some photos of this, but you can see one over one. I kind of do see one over one. Yes, darker than several panels. It's, it's quite reasonably done. Actually, it's, it's uh, surprisingly readable. It's it is what it is. The stories are uncomplicated because uh, it is a kids' comic, and it's something you should always remember. But the art's clear. It's actually very nice. It's a thing we've talked about at length on this pod on this podcast. Is that kids' comics are in a lot of instances, not all. But a lot of them are basically, to my eyes, and I apologise if any of the creators had to be listening and it pits their, pits their nose and something, look like they've been tossed off yes. with very little effort. And that's, a, that's the thing is, don't write down your audience. No, I, any comic, and we've, we've got a couple of modern kids' comics we're going to talk about shortly, um, but uh, generally it should have the same level of craft and professionalism put into it as a comic aimed at uh, us. Again, there shouldn't be any difference. You should be able to look at an unlettered page. Unlettered, unlettered, even, even, even uncoloured actually. Just original line art. Or, or 
the original page with the colours added before there's any lettering for a comic aimed at five-year-olds and a comic aimed at 35-year-olds and you should see the same level of craftsmanship so they're telling them, I feel, and density. You know, because one of the things that was great about um, Summer Specials, going back, and if you think back, is it was great because it kept you occupied for hours. Yeah. You know, you, you, they weren't designed to give to a kid to keep quiet for five minutes, which unfortunately a lot of comics now are. And indeed, unfortunately, a lot of comics here that adults will only occupy you for five minutes. You know, the whole idea is that um, a comic should occupy you for a certain length of time. It's why, although I'm behind on it, it's now uh, just doing my comics budget, um, the, the Transformers, Morning of East Eye, and Robots in Disguise series, uh, when I was reading them, and when I catch back up with them, I'd never had an issue that took me less than half an hour to read. And then I'll go back and read it again to get all the things I missed because it was so dense. That's what comics should be. Yes. Rant over. Uh, before we, we go on to other things, this also has uh, the first meeting ever, admittedly over video screen, between Zoltar and Seven Dark Seven. Yes. They actually banter. Yes. Uh, what's the dialogue there? Uh, it's basically, suddenly, at the centre of Neptune, it's like squawk, squawk, and the screen's going all, all snowy and, and wanky. It's like Seven Dark Seven goes, what's this? Something's jamming my communication system. And then it's Zoltar who appears and goes, right you are, you bucket of bolts. I've tuned into your telecommunications network. And he goes, you've no business. And he goes, Zoltar has an announcement to make. And then he's broadcasting throughout basically all the world. I think they could be the, the greatest two panels in, in comic history. True. That we're talking about today. <laughs> but no, it's good. It's, it's, again, rare as rock and horse yet. I may try and scan up. Probably all of it actually and put it up at some point because, quite frankly, you're never going to get your hands on it just now, yep. ever again. Because the issue with Gatcha Man and Battle of Planets is <laughs> long and complicated, and the chances are of seeing anything with Battle of Planets printed on it again is slim to you have no chance. Indeed, that's why I regret um, having to move on the DVD box set uh, when I have a lack of space because um, try reacquiring that. Look up the price of what it costs to reacquire that, uh, or indeed the odds of it being reissued. In a cheaper format, so um, so that's why sometimes having a clean out while helping other people can sometimes not help you. Yes, with a hint of bitterness. Um, ah, so we are talking about modern comics there, uh, which brings on to a couple of wee things to how we talk about on a similar vein. First of all, and again, in a clever way, tying together all these many of of, of topics we together. Almost think we planned it. We always think we we did plan it in our minds twenty minutes from now, yeah. and then went back in time. Um, yes, because on the way down to the aforementioned auto assembly, uh, as, as something to read in the hotel at night, because uh, I was staying in a different hotel, um, I picked up the uh, the last ever dandy summer special from W. H. Smith. Now, I'm astonished, first of all, to actually find something to read in W. H. Smith, because the other W. H. Smiths are not very good uh, in terms of their stock. Try finding the Doctor Who specials in them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I picked this up uh, because well it said summer special on it and pretty much with this going in print form as far as I'm aware the last print summer specials on the UK newsstand are from the Simpsons comic that I'm actually aware of in terms of summer specials because I don't think the Phoenix publishes a summer special no and um, 2008 doesn't do specials anymore does it? the last the last of the standalone winter special years ago yeah they stopped doing specials and Canada doesn't do specials yeah so this pretty much is. Now, um, on the one hand, it, it, it's a bit of a shame because um, there's not any new material in this. It's a bit like the, the one that was put out last summer. And it's a selection of reprints uh, from well, basically the start of the comic uh, through to today. 
but still you get a reasonable amount of stuff. It's a fiver, but you get quite a lot of things in it. It's quite a good value. And also, it's a summer special. It's square bound. It is square bound, so it's glossy, a glossy cover and nice paper stuff. Nice on your shelf, yeah. Uh, and it does go to some of the newer, some of the more it's, recent material. Yeah, uh, some of the Jamie Smart stuff. Which yes, is hilarious. who is probably one of my favourite uh, cartoonists working at the moment. But does uh, because uh, during our, our journey down, in addition to, to reading this, Ralph and I were engaging in some, some Twitter banter uh, of uh, rather unfortunately uh, like Glaswegian streets here. Is we're just looking at one of the streets is one, of, and I remember seeing this in annuals of the Dandy back in the day. So I don't think it was regularly in the title, but the Dandy annuals to explain were oversized. Probably about hundred odd pages. I think must have been on dandy annuals. Or about they, like they, were, they were very thick, and and indeed the the dandy annuals continue to this day. Now, as people may have heard, the print edition of the dandy, unfortunately, went icky thump, um, and is now dead. Which is a shame because actually, in the last couple of years of publication, it actually had got really good. And that I, as a thirty-five year old adult, would sit down and read it unironically, really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, but it's by but it still contains some printed forms of annuals. For instance, um, Louis Stringer. Uh, tweeted the other day saying he was working on the strip for the 2015 Dandy Annual. So it still will have a presence. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just very briefly, just before Andy tells you about this strip, we've kind of mentioned the Dandy debate before, but just as a reminder, particularly for uh, our American friends, um, Dandy and the Beano uh, are, well, basically it's like an anthology of humour strips. You'd have strips which are maybe three panels on a page or two pages, various wacky adventures. Uh, name to make you laugh, so they're completely different format from American uh, adventure comics. Pretty much as close to the original origins of American comics with yeah. things funnies as you'll mm-hmm. find. The difference being is we managed to keep it going a little bit longer than you guys did. High five, Brad! Oh, 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 oh. Indeed, as we're talking about in a few minutes' time, still keeping it going. Yeah. So that, that's just how how it was uh, in terms of how, and we liked the anthology formats. Always had. Better roots over here than yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's why I have such a lack of tolerance, and indeed have stopped buying uh, comics which are decompressed. Because I am growing up, and to this day, I'm still used to being able to read a comic strip which is two pages long, where a character can tell a story yeah. from the beginning, middle, and end. I, well, that's the thing is, it's not so much decompressed storytelling. I decompressed storytelling. Yes, and also not everything has to be decompressed. Yeah. Again, it's why. Again, as, as we've kind of touched on, uh, Mr. Roberts more than meets the eye work, and John Barber's on Robust in the Skies. Is that these are dense monthly books? There's a lot in them uh, compared to some of the other books that previously I might have been reading. Costa, uh, <coughs> Costa Coffee. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, uh, so we well, uh, so we're just going to one of the because <laughs> we have, and if you've been listening to this podcast for anything longer than one or two episodes, you realise that. Innuendo, smut, and just horrible, horrible things are never really far from our brains. We've actually been very clean today. I know. I know. And just because we've had the summer break, we've, we're just getting up. But we were about to come off spectacularly with this one. Reveal to us the strip then, Andy. It's, it's called Peter's Pocket Grandpa. Peter's Pocket <laughs> Grandpa? I just thought, <laughs> we're just talking and banter back and forth, and, just, and it does sound like a, a euphemism for a cock. It, 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 it does. And, Slightly and smaller, old, wrinkled looking. Yeah, I, I know the horrible one that's been in the UK media about Operation YouTube and stuff. You know, it's like, oh god. And it was just, there's, just explain. There's basically a two-page <laughs> strip, and then there's a little sidebar with basically sort of 
So witty verse about grand, pocket grandpa the sportsman. Who is a small chap, who is yeah. a grandpa, who fits inside your pocket. Yeah, that's his perfect innocent to me, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the reason why is that is Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, his grandpa came off worse in an argument with a strange gypsy. The gypsy lost his temper and shrank grandpa at midget size. So basically, it's the JK version of Spider-Man. It's still getting the proportional the powers of a spider. He just done that. He done that. Yeah. Oh, Arnold's, there's a wee sidebar there. Yeah, it's the wee sidebar where it has the wee, the wee strip. And yeah. it just had a... The reason it's meant is just one, one little line in the opening bit. However, it was, it was just Grandpa's bareback riding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing more about that. If you're an American don't know what we're talking about, ask a British friend. Or look up uh, Google with Zeph Search switched off. Yeah, Peter's pocket. Do you, do you want to see my pocket? But it kind of uh, it also has the best is the jocks and the Geordies. I love the jocks and the Geordies. So that was always a favourite of mine. It is. It's just more the thing that the these aren't Geordies. No. Because they're quite upper class. They wear coats. Uh, yes, for yes, the shorts, yeah. Although they are wearing shorts, so they are putting a bit of No, but I, I love the, I love the stereotype of Newcastle people. Hello, Newcastle people. Yeah. Uh, who, who don't wear jackets. I was there last November, uh, waiting on the train to come back from a Doctor Who convention. And uh, it was zero degrees, it was literally a zero degree night. And um, the, everyone was walking around with a t shirt, so <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Nobody looked cold or had goose pimples or anything. They, they just looked at people with jackets like they were scum. Yeah, but they just kind of, they do speak like, they don't speak like Johnny's at all. Uh, well, hey man, well, hey. The thing is, even occasionally, for I the mean, jobs I to be placed, they occasionally just go, uh, James or something. I can do a Johnny accent. Do it for you right now. Ready? Ready for this? Oh, hey man! Have you come to Newcastle, man? Hey! There you go. That was fucking awful. That was good. That was awful. That was that's carefully studied. I can I can do a job the access to your job. Well, Emma, like we was like what about some of these leads? No, that's 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 more. Can I go with Tudor? That's more Manchester. That is. Are we? Is she? Also, Tudor, Chris, and Emma, they're great. Can you go with Tudor? I'm pale. I've gone blind. Pet. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> Jesus. Wait, wait, you see there? Hey. Let me come to Newcastle. Let me go over the British. Yeah, let's go and get get a cheese. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yes. Let's let's move on. That was good. That that, that wasn't. There, that was. It was good. And it was it was far away. I'm from sure any Newcastle listeners after that, any listening to that will go, "My God, it's like he's come from a long time." Or not. There we go. So anyway, yeah. So. Uh, it's mostly to be perfectly honest, this is a lot of older material, but does towards the end you get some of the new, some of the more recent ones. Uh, I like to say "My Own Genie" by Jamie Smart was really good in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a the one with a happy hippo. Yes, really like happy uh, Olden times, which is one I remembered. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Phil, Phil. Just keep going to uh, some of the newer ones that, that, or not so much newer, but one of the ones that I don't recognise in there, so like uh, Owen Gold, it's like me. Yeah. There are a few in there. And I always hate Battle of the Pedal. I never was any Battle of the Pedal. Battle of the Pedal was almost a page of AIDS. Yeah. Where we just go, this, this page could be used for, good. you know, more cow pie. Or Deep. something good, yeah. Not really. Oh, and Billy Beef and Chips. <laughs> I don't know, euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. Harry and the Hippo. 
Yeah, but the hippo ge- just generally, I believe it's Ken Reed did this yes. on the face and Roger the Dodger thing. Indeed. But it does this hippo is the happiest looking thing of all time. He is just jolly, and he just he just takes his human chum around for rides and adventures. Yep, it's completely heartwarming. There's not a bit of cynicism in that at all. True, it's one of those jokes. To be honest, you could recolor that because it's black and white. You could colour that, stick it in the modern bean. I don't think half the kids would even notice it was old. Probably need to relight it. Ah, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, in terms of you could take the line art and, yeah. and uh, the, uh, the writing and pretty much republish that, and kids would be fine. Yep, no. So, as we said, the, the dandy has sadly left us in terms of its space on the shelves. Yep. But the good news is, as a result of that. Yes, as a result of that, the Beano has been retooled. Now, to explain, as we said, dandy will still continue in print form in the annual. And eventually they'll figure out how to do the digital version, I'm sure. Because uh, they will keep chucking money and resources at that until they get it to work. Um, so in the meantime, the, the dandy is sort of in, in a wee bit of limbo. Uh, but it's not good sporadically. Now, when the, the print edition of the dandy went down, a few of us may have exchanged a few sweaty words. Because it, it was, to be honest, almost like uh, an alternative or underground US comic in terms of they, they had let the cartoonist off the leash. Now, the stereotyped image of DC Thompson... Uh, was always kind of a bit staid and a little bit stuffy, but uh, their version of banana, the, what they did with Banana Man was fantastic. It's it yeah, was it was off the wall. They, they let Jamie Smart redesign Desperate Dan. Yep, which and, worked really well. Yep, despite what short-sighted people who can't get past what their childhood was like. And also at that point, the the dandy had, had basically previously devolved into. Um, and I, we mentioned this before because we, we've talked about the Dandy on this podcast but very briefly just to recap um, the Dandy had previously devolved into what is a general kids comic now which is yeah. it didn't have a lot of comic strip in it it was on a poly bag and it was mostly just free crap so it had gone really really bad so the retail of the Dandy turned it back into a proper comic got rid of all the free crap and just sold it as a comic and it was fantastic they went under when they went under the Beano uh, not to be confused with the sister title it was Beano Max and the Dennis and Menace magazine just a regular weekly edition, um, was had far less strip content. It was cheaper, which is probably why it sold more, actually. Um, but, but it had far less strip con- content, really bad features, wasn't very funny, hadn't really been modernised a bit well, and looking at the two of them on the shelf, you would have thought the Beano would be the one to be killed. Yes. But, again, it was cheaper, it sold better, and probably what helped as well was that there's a Dennis and Menace uh, cartoon show, yes. which is and a lot of licensed merchandise for it, which are very popular with the kids, so... I won't help it anyway. So, what the Beano is, they have put the price up. But by putting the price up, they have literally turned it into the dandy, as in, it is exactly like what the dandy was when it went under. Right down to the format, the number of the strips, the junking of the features, the same comics artists, the, the same style of humour, and yes, while it has a cover mount, it just has a small cover mount, mostly content. And it is now genuinely fantastic again. Yes. I have actually bought it three weeks in a row. That's the most times I've bought the Beano probably in the last 10 years out with of... I would buy an occasional special on the odd issue just to see how it was getting on. Yeah. I'm actively reading it again. It's great. Uh, but there is, a stri- there is a strip in here which I, I feel I do need to, uh, to bring to people's attention because, uh, as we all know, the, the Beano is, is aimed at children. The adults can enjoy. Uh, but there is uh, one edition a few weeks ago, and hopefully I've got the right one here, which has possibly the grimmest strip I've seen in quite some time. So to explain, um, that's one of the things they've done to retool it and make it good is that in addition to your one page and two page comedy strips, 
there's a couple of bits in the comic where they split the, the page into four strips and each strip has uh, got three three or four panels to it. A bit like what you might find in um, newspapers or indeed in Andy's very own Daily Straxis, available now at Stardog.com. Yes, indeed, on to as we, we speak, 309. And also available in a handy dandy print edition. Exactly, for £2.50. Order it now. <laughs> so, in a format, there uh, is a strip called Coronation Bleak. Which is obviously a takeoff of Coronation Street. Let's get this of four panels. In panel number one, we have two sad looking sheep uh, going into uh, what appears to be a bedroom. They've just put the light switch on, and you can see a few ornaments there. And uh, the mother sheep uh, is saying, oh, Look, his room's just as we left it. Then we cut to panel number two, which is, which is uh, her, her crying. Uh, face buried in the chest of her husband, shouting, Those monsters! Why? How did they take our little lamb? And in the next panel, uh, she's, she's just totally inconsolable, and, and now her husband is starting to cry as well. And he's saying, Don't cry, love! He's in a better place now! <laughs> we got to panel number four, which is uh, a balding gentleman with a full stomach sitting in a pub somewhere, with a plate with some bones on it. Now it's coming as my first. Pretty grim. What makes us? What makes it worse? As somebody on Twitter pointed out to me, because I, I had to take a picture and, the, and share it with the world, is that uh, there's been a slight printing error with the page where one of the colours is bled down onto, which appears to be the colour of blood <laughs> dripping across panel three. It's one of those panels. It's like I read that and I laughed, and. <laughs> But yeah, but the main reason why I tease it out as well is it actually shows that it's actually trying to be a little bit daring in places. It's not just writing for four-year-olds. It's trying to appeal to kids pretty much up to about the age of 12 by putting in some strips that are maybe a wee bit too babyish for them, but they'll read things like that and they'll... I imagine the 10-year-olds would just laugh their face off at that. Yeah. You know, whilst the adult goes, I'M NOT BUYING THIS TERRIBLE COMIC AGAIN! I'm here with you. Yes. So that's what we wanted to mention to Beano. So I would actually say, um, go give it a wee try. Don't confuse it, as I said, don't confuse it with Beano Max, which is the shit version, or the Dennis and Menace magazine, which has also been vetoed recently, but I've not had a chance to, to check that out yet. So Andy, we come up to the 45 minute, uh, Cam, do you think we could do like a cliffhanger here for the next exciting episode? We could do. What would that cliffhanger be, Andy? I'm pretty sure I'm going to get demagged by, by watching the web planet. Yes. <laughs> what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to come back in the next installment. We're going to talk about an exciting comic called Havoc. And then we're going to give you some thoughts on the exciting Doctor Who series with the web planet. Come back soon in about two weeks' time. Ooh.
Dum 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 dum. Fa fa.